It's Emily here, and today I want to invite you to make sure to check out Robinhood Integrative Health. If you are a resident of the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area, and you're looking for a doctor who treats you differently, looks deeper into the issues that you're having, and seeks to hear you as a person and really help to get you better, then I can't recommend Robinhood Integrative Health, where Dr. Wiggy practices enough. Make sure that you go to their website and see how you can benefit from their services today. And did you know that they even take some insurances, which basically never happens in integrative medicine. So make sure to check them out and enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here and Dr. Wiggy. And we realized that we've not been on the podcast together in a while. And part of that is it's just been a really busy season and we can't believe that we're inching, well not inching, we're sprinting near Thanksgiving and the end of the year is here. So today we are going to talk about a a topic that I think most people are really uninformed about and if if we do have knowledge it's very limited and that is IV infusion therapies and um, they can be very effective for lots of different things but are very rarely used in traditional medicine. So we're going to dive into that in a moment. But one of the reasons we want to talk about this is because we went out to Arizona last week. Mm, Last week. Well, yeah, we went out a little over a week ago. We came back. I don't know. It's been a crazy month. Yes, last week. We were in Arizona last week and got to enjoy some time together out there. And Wiggy was able to learn about Um, a new type of ozone therapy and learn about how that's working for people out there. And we, you guys know, we turned 40 this year. So I guess part of our midlife crisis, I don't know, we decided while we were out there, sort of on a whim, although there's been a lot of previous conversation, to get our wedding date tattooed on our wrists. So we have matching tattoos, except for the text is different. And so, yeah, love it. I'm, I love Do you like yours? <laughs> I do like it. First one. First one, 40 maybe, years old. Maybe the only, I'm not sure. That's right. Yes. Well. Yeah, no, it was, it was a great time, great trip that we had out there. Uh, the conference was actually useful. You know, some conferences are more useful than others. Some you feel like you learn a lot. Others you feel like probably just more review than than anything else. Uh, This was a very helpful uh, conference. I do think I'm going to bring some things back uh, to offer patients. So that's that's Mm -hmm. exciting. And yeah, just a nice kind of random trip. Uh, Spend some good quality time together and, uh, you know, Came home with tattoos. Then then back to the craziness. (laughs) Yes. And so also while we were out there, we had lots of opportunities to engage in healthy discourse. We had a lot of really fruitful, interesting conversations with interesting people and just had some, made some new friends, had a really good time and then came back. We had the election on Tuesday and we were able to go to an election party on Tuesday night to celebrate um, Ted Budd's victory, but uh, we actually didn't stay that long because we had to get up the next morning. But we did get to celebrate with Representative Zinger, who has been on the show before. Um, he is the epitome of a leader who governs with principles and values no matter what, even if it doesn't get make him popular or reelected. And we are grateful for that. And 
Um, a lot of things happen within the state of North Carolina that I think are positive for medical freedom, which is what we talk about mm -hmm. a lot here, mm -hmm. um, as well as some of our national leaders who were reelected, who are the ones who will stand strong for medical freedom and will try to hold people accountable. We'll still see what happens because right now we don't know what's going to happen. So anyway, that's been um, our last couple of weeks. And because of that conference, we thought, you know, we've not talked much about IV therapies before. So Let's dig in. Life update over. Now let's get technical and medical. So let's get into this. tell us what IV therapies are and why they are helpful and matter. Sure. So we can kind of talk about this from a high level overview and then maybe get into some of the, the details for or later on. So IV therapies are basically another way to administer uh, either nutrients or medications where you bypass the gut and you go directly into into the vein. So IV stands for inter, intravenous. It is uh, much more popular to use IV therapies in the integrative world than in the uh, traditional world, uh, partly because I think we have a better understanding of the gut and some of the limitations mm -hmm. of the gut, but also because we have, I think, a better understanding of how important uh, it is to address deficiencies because there are so many different deficiencies and so many things that cause deficiencies that uh, it's really hard to actually make up that difference with uh, oral supplementation. Mm -hmm. So, because it, it really is just a, a comparison between what you get orally versus what you get with an IV and the difference there. And that really what comes down to why we'd recommend either doing just supplements or we'd recommend moving more towards IV therapies, kind of depending on the level of severity of different things and kind of how, how, uh, symptomatic someone is. So there's lots of different IV therapies that are available, but, but the gist is that it's hard to make up the difference with oral supplementation in certain cases. And so it is necessary to bypass the gut, go mm -hmm. straight into the vein, and give uh, a larger amount of certain things. Okay. So when would you, um, I, and I know sometimes, I guess just a note, you will start with oral things and mm. sometimes those don't work as well as you hope because of absorption mm -hmm. and they're not rising to the levels you want. And then you would maybe sometimes start with oral mm. and then move to IV later. Yeah, absolutely. So almost always we start with oral treatment um, by mouth. Uh, and so, and sometimes that works well, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. We generally do not jump to IV therapies right off the bat. It's kind of one of those things where if patients just aren't responding, then mm -hmm. we'll say, well, there's, there is another option we could try, and that is, that is an IV therapy. Mm -hmm. All right, so I don't know what would be the best way to break down some of the specific IV therapies, or should we talk about specific conditions and the IV therapies that can be helpful? Well, I'll just give a list of some of the IV therapies that, that we offer, and then maybe we can talk about some of the indications for some of those specific uh, IVs. Uh, and I'll try to pull these off the top of my head. So we have uh, IV iron, we have uh, IV vitamin C, we have IV B vitamins, IV magnesium, IV glutathione, IV NAD, IV NAC, and then we have basically a combination of those. Mm -hmm. So there are a combination of things like IV vitamin C, magnesium, and B vitamins, and we call that a Myers cocktail, which is which is actually really helpful for lots of indications. We can talk about that more specifically. And then we do um, sometimes piggyback different things on top of each other. So sometimes we'll do 
like a Myers cocktail, and then we'll do a ivy glutathione uh, after that. Mm -hmm. So we have a we have a wide variety of things. Uh, we have uh, some additional things uh, in the office as well that. Uh, generally, we can talk about with the patient specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we generally look at this from a... So we really don't offer the, the medication side. So that's that's one, one distinction. So there is um, infusion centers that will just do like IV medications. Right. And most of the time, these are, these are uh, places that are doing like IV uh, immunologics for like autoimmune disease. Right. Or you do like an IV therapy for bone loss or something like that. So that's, again, a little bit of a distinction with what we offer versus what traditional medicine offers. Mm -hmm. And it's just, again, kind of like we do just with everything else is that traditional medicine is more pharmaceutical. And we try and do things more naturally and more vitamins and minerals. Gotcha. So what would be the indications when you would move toward some of those IV therapies that you just mentioned? Well, let's talk about iron because that's probably the easiest one to, to talk about because it's the most straightforward. So iron is relatively simple to check. So we do, we do iron levels on a lot of our patients, especially those that are complaining about fatigue, uh, being cold, hair loss. Um, we'll check an iron level, and if we find that their levels are low, you know, there's multiple ways for determining the level of deficiency. But if we find that their, their iron levels are low, we'll oftentimes recommend starting an, an oral supplement. And we'll say, hey, let's try this for three months, and let's recheck your levels, and let's see, see where it goes. So we, we try oral supplementation. We recheck the levels in three months, and the levels have barely budged. Mm -hmm. They're just not getting any, any real improvement. And iron is one of those cases where it's really hard to make up the difference. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes you can, you can maintain iron levels with oral supplementation, but as far as making up the deficit, it's actually pretty hard. You have to take a lot of iron orally right. to, to do that. And iron is, some, is oftentimes very irritating to the, to the gut. Right, that's what I was going to yeah. say. That can be really awful. Yeah, you're, you're rate limited as far as how much you can take by mouth because it, it, it irritates the gut. There's really... There really, really is no iron that's gentle on the stomach. Mm -hmm. it, some people, some some products say that they are, but right. no, all iron is is irritating. So, but let's say again, we check those levels. The levels are still low. Then we can't really just keep going up and up on the oral supplementation. At that point, we say, look, your levels are still low. You're still symptomatic at this time. I think it makes sense for us to try bypassing the gut, try some IV therapies and then see how you do. Mm -hmm. And the, the beautiful thing about IV therapies is that you get 100% absorption. Right. So with the oral supplements, you maybe are getting, depending on the, the, the state of the gut for the patient, you may be getting you know, decent absorption, like 10%, or, but you may be getting barely, very, hardly any absorption. Mm -hmm. And so they're taking these things, it's upsetting their stomach, and they're not really getting any absorption. And this also plays a role, or this also important factor is the leaky gut part. If you have an inflamed leaky, you know, leaky gut, or if you have a yeast overgrowth, or if you have dysbiosis, you're not going to absorb things well. Mm -hmm. And so that's something else we have to keep in mind is when we're, when we're talking to our patients, if they're taking things that are not getting good absorption, we need to work on their gut and work on things that can help improve absorption. But in the meantime, we still need to get the levels up. Right. So then we'll do IV, IV iron, for example, and we'll do that usually about one, once a week for about a month, and then we recheck the levels. And then, but sometimes we need to do it for a couple months. Uh, but the, like I said, it does, the beautiful thing is it does work because you do get 100% absorption. Right. So everybody that uses IV iron will get their levels up, but then the challenging thing after that is how do we keep the levels up? Right. Well, and that's one of the reasons why 
regular blood work matters so much, right? Yeah, for sure. Because then we know. So we need to, yeah, we need to monitor levels. So th that's the that's a common example of like iron where the levels just are really low and then we just can't get the levels up. Then there are other infusions that we do that we use more for specific instances. Mm -hmm. So we use a lot of glutathione. Glutathione is an awesome uh, compound that helps with detoxification. So glutathione is our body's primary detoxification molecule. All of our cells make glutathione. And that's what binds to all the toxins and helps you get rid of it. Right. But what we see is that if people are toxic overload, like there's too many, too many toxins kind of overloading the system, then the natural glutathione production can't keep up with it. And so we need to give extra. So this would be another case where maybe this, they're not necessarily deficient in glutathione, even though they may be, but the demand is so high that we need to give extra help. Mm -hmm. And that's where IV glutathione is, is very helpful. But we still like to use some sort of measure to see if what we're doing is helping. So you can measure toxin levels. You can measure uh, environmental toxins. You can measure mold toxins. Uh, there's multiple ways to kind of get a gauge for what someone's toxic load is. So we'll do IV glutathione. We'll do that for a period of time. A lot of times it's about two months or so or uh, sometimes longer. And then we'll recheck the levels. Mm -hmm. And then we'll see that the levels have dropped significantly, which means that what we were doing was, was working. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So that's glutathione mm -hmm. and can be used for lots of toxicity types of things. Primarily, yeah. Um, how about vitamin C and Myers cocktails and mm -hmm. some of those things? So vitamin C specifically, uh, you can use that for a handful of things. Vitamin C is very good for healing. So oftentimes we'll use some degree of vitamin C after surgery because you need the vitamin C in order to make the connective tissues and the collagen. So that's a really nice thing to help speed up healing if there's some sort of surgery or something scheduled. Uh, it also is really helpful for people that have been through things like radiation, mm. like where there's a lot of damage uh, to the tissue. So we'll do some vitamin C after the fact to kind of help the body to, to heal. And then in higher doses, you can use vitamin C um, if you do it in, in the right doses. You can use it for chronic infections. So vitamin C can be used for things like Lyme disease. You can use it for Epstein-Barr virus. You can use it for um, really any sort of uh, infectious process. Vitamin C tends to be helpful. You know, even acute things uh, like shingles. Mm. Uh, vitamin C is very helpful. Or cold or flu symptoms mm -hmm. that also tends to respond really well to vitamin C. So vitamin C is a very, uh, very cool, very cool vitamin, um, and like I said, there's lots of lots of benefits uh, for it. Uh, you know, there's one book I can't remember who who the author was, but basically said that before all the, the modern medicine uh, developed, that vitamin C was used to pretty much treat all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much used to treat all sorts of uh, chronic infections, all sorts of acute infections all sorts of uh, injuries, and and it was working really well. Interesting. It's just that, you know, when these patented things come available, like, well, we're not going to use that anymore. We'll use this new fancy thing. Right. When there's plenty of evidence that the, the vitamin C was helpful for so many different things for so, for so long. So we use a lot of vitamin C. And then the Myers cocktail, you know, that is more of a supportive therapy. So that has those, those things I mentioned, the vitamin C, the magnesium, B vitamins. And this is... I think about this as, again, just a, a supportive therapy that helps people that are going through a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. And that stress can be a lot of different things. It can be just emotional stress, like you're just really, really stressed out. 
You can also be uh, that you are like post COVID, mm -hmm. like or COVID long haulers. Like they're just their body has been under such a amount of such a big stress. Uh, for people that work out a ton, that are they they are long uh, duration cardio like those types of like marathon runners. Mm -hmm. They they need extra support. So basically, anything that puts your body under a stress, you'll need those three things in particular in order to help recover from that stress. Right. So I remember one time I, I went and got a Myers cocktail after I'd had, I got, Hutch was a baby and I got sick like three times in a row mm -hmm. and I was just not, I was just not okay. And yeah. I went and got the Myers cocktail and it helped significantly with my energy and ability to function, which was really great because it was For helpful. Sure. No, it, it helps, it helps a ton. And the reason why it's so helpful is, and for people that are under stress is because when the body is under stress, we tend to waste or use those things. We tend to use up the vitamin C. We tend to use up magnesium. We also tend to use up or waste the B vitamins. Mm -hmm. So we do become deficient with those things over time and especially over prolonged, prolonged stress. One of the most impactful things I've seen for people that are dealing with uh, post-COVID issues is doing Myers cocktails. Mm -hmm. So I say, you know, they just say, gosh, since I've had COVID, I just have, I've been so tired, I've been so wiped out, I just feel drained. And that's, that's, those words are what make me think, okay, this might be a good person for like an IV Myers cocktail. Right. Because I kind of think about this as like we're recharging your batteries. Mm -hmm. Your batteries get depleted on, you know, over time with stress, either a large amount acutely or a smaller amount for a longer period of time. You drain your batteries. And so we need to kind of recharge them. These these Myers cocktails are great for the adrenals. That's really where they seem to help the most, and that's yeah. where kind of they get they get kind of supported uh, with the Myers cocktail. So those people that are dealing with adrenal fatigue, which is what happens from stress, they respond they respond really well. But yeah, it's been a fantastic treatment for people dealing with post COVID issues. Um, you mentioned a couple other ones, NAC and NAD. Can mm -hmm. you talk about those a little bit? And so NAD, we don't use a lot of NAD. Uh, NAD is a treatment that we use primarily for restoring energy production. So NAD is necessary in our bodies and our cells in order to make ATP. Mm -hmm. And ATP is our body's primary fuel source. So this is also helpful for chronic fatigue, also been helpful for fibromyalgia, uh, people with brain fog and um, just cognitive dysfunction. NAD can be helpful for that. We, have, we haven't used it a, a whole lot, um, probably because you know, we have so many other things to consider trying. And NAD is a decent uh, supplement. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can supplement fairly well with NAD. So we do use that uh, on occasion. Like I said, biggest improvement that we see is uh, energy. And then NAC is a new one. So this one's, this one's pretty neat. Uh, there actually were, was a study out with using IV uh, N-acetylcysteine. That's what NAC is. And using it for uh, interstitial cystitis. Mm -hmm. So interstitial cystitis is is a really, really a pain for, painful uh, syndrome for for people. It basically, feels like you always have a UTI. Right. A lot of bladder pain. A lot of urethral pain. I became pain. familiar with that recently with an acquaintance. Yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. And maybe we should do a podcast on that. But interstitial cystitis is really uncomfortable, and so uh, there's not a lot of great like oral treatments for that but this uh, there was a study that showed that IV NAC can actually be very helpful mm. and so that's a new one we actually are just going to start offering that uh, to patients and yeah we have a fair number of people with interstitial cystitis so I'm really hopeful that's going to help them. 
Now let's talk about, um, we went out to the conference to talk about, to learn about ozone therapy, a new Ebu ozone, which I don't even know what that stands for. I'm sure you do. Um, it tends to be controversial, like mm-hmm. many other things. T- tell us what that even means and what it is potentially helpful for. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about Ebu. I do think it's something that I think could potentially help a lot of people. Uh, the Ebu, it stands for E-B-O-O. That's where that name comes from. So it stands for Extracorporeal Blood Oxygenation and Ozonation. Yeah, I would never remember that. So um, <laughs> extracorporeal means outside the blood, outside the body. Mm-hmm. Um, extracorporeal blood, which you do have to take blood out, and then you you oxygenate and ozonate the blood. So it's a really fascinating, uh, fascinating treatment. It's not only um, you get the benefit of the ozone and oxygen in the blood, but you also are running the blood through a filter. Mm-hmm. So it's a really neat, uh, really neat way to help people not only can get the benefits of the ozone and oxygen, which is basically uh, you get benefits of oxygen delivery to the tissues. So also really helpful for healing really helpful for mitochondria and energy production, and also really helpful for the immune cells and the immune system. So that's where most of the studies and the research done on ozone is on the immune system. Mm-hmm. So a lot of immune modulating effects that ozone has. But the, the cool thing with this new treatment is that it does also filter the blood. And we're learning more and more because this is a pretty much brand new, brand right. new treatment, but of what is all filtered. And right now, it looks like it filters pretty much all the bad things out of your blood. Wow. So it looks like it filters environmental toxins, uh, heavy metals, uh, mold toxins, biofilms, microclots, bacteria, virus, viruses, yeast. looks like it filters all the bad stuff out. So it kind of gives you, you know, pure blood, mm. basically. So, yeah, really cool. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking into it. want to do a little more research on it. But, yeah, it's a, it's a really neat, really neat treatment. What makes something like that controversial so it doesn't to me it's like this could be so helpful to people so is it just that it's different or are there it's definitely are there a lot of negative side effects that are possible or i mean Mm. i'm just always curious why would something like that if it could potentially help somebody be so so... yeah if you know what you're doing very very safe uh, and very minimal side effects ozone's been studied with hundreds if not millions of people mm-hmm. so it's it's a it's a very well established uh treatment it's just kind of part and parcel for integrative medicine is that if you're outside the box it's considered to be you know out there mm-hmm. and if it's out there and traditional medicine doesn't understand it then they're going to be if you're not you know up on it you're down on it mm-hmm. and so that, that's really the the unfortunately what it is is that it, there's this divide as far as pushing for newer things and trying to find new things that will help patients. And that's really what integrative medicine has had to become because traditional medicine is so slow. Right. And it's so slow and it's so pharmaceutical-based mm-hmm. that if it's not a pharmaceutical or a, a vaccine, mm-hmm. if it's not those two things, then there's really no time, effort, or money put into it. Right. So this is, this is you know, a completely different administration of the therapy and the other problem with this is from a traditional side is you can't patent it mm-hmm. you can't patent ozone it's naturally occurring so if you, well, can't, patent, the, you can't make money off it well then... that's the upside which can also be called the downside that most of these things that traditional medicine uses researches finds are helpful are naturally occurring in our environment that god made and helped to restore the body 
like you said, they're not patented. They right. can't get a trademark. So, well, yeah, I say I say downside because traditional medicine won't research it. Right. If there's no if there's no profit in it, pretty right. much. And so, but no, that isn't that is also an upside because it is it is natural occurring. Our body knows how to handle it. It's well well studied. So yeah, I it's unfortunate that that there isn't more collaboration mm -hmm. and there's not more uh, progress. I'd mm -hmm. say with medicine because the human body is so <clears throat> complex, so so challenging, mm -hmm. and people are getting sicker. Right. So we're dealing with you know the complexity of the body, and people are having more disease burden than ever before. We need new tools. Right. We're not going to get there with medications. I, you know, I, I, uh, in some ways, I, I feel sorry for traditional doctors because they can't help anybody right now. Mm -hmm. Giving medications, you know, really, even delaying disease. I don't even know if that's even fair to say that because mm. I think a lot of times these medications are actually making people worse. Right. So it's it's a tough situation to be in. I think that the, the tide is turning somewhat. The pe at least from a grassroots effort, people are like, but it's coming from the patient. It doesn't make sense just to do medications. Right. We got to try patient, things. Patients are demanding something better. Yeah. And I think as medicine becomes more and more corporate, more and more for profit, despite what hospital systems might say, they make plenty of profit. Um, you know the. Providers continue to be minimized. The executives continue to be optimized. And it's no longer about patient care. It's a lot more about how do we make money. Yeah. And it's not good for the patients. And also they, they compartmentalize physicians so much that you're, I mean, I've talked to so many people lately who they have an issue. They go to their primary because you have to do that to get a referral, and then that, and then that person refers, and that person refers, and they're literally passed around to every department with no answers, no help, no nothing, because yeah. no one can quote handle the issue. And it, when we're when we're no longer seeking to treat the whole body, and of course there's a place for specialists. Sure. Um, but when we're no longer trained and in, in seeking to treat the whole body as each individual physician, the patient loses. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's getting more and more compartmentalized instead of more and more um, holistic in the, treating the whole person. So Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I think you, you made a good point is that the problem is not necessarily the doctors. No. Uh, the problem is the corporate, mm -hmm. the corporate uh corporatization of medicine where it's all huge hospital systems it's all these these huge healthcare systems that are dictating to the doctors what they can and cannot do what what is really interesting is that with the shift that we've seen over the past couple of years towards more people going back into private practice you know mm -hmm. we've seen a bunch of people from our network go to private practice what is really interesting about that is that most of the time they start shifting naturally towards integrative medicine they do. It's, I we I, we watched it happen a hundred times already. Yeah, it's just like they start doing their own mm -hmm. research. They start talking to other doctors about what's working for certain patients and what's mm -hmm. not, and there is this natural shift towards integrative medicine, and it's and it's beautiful to see, because I think most 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 of the time, once doctors are let off the leash, mm -hmm. when they're allowed to start thinking, when they're allowed to start treating patients the way that they feel like they should be treated, with whatever tools they have available. They will start exploring other tools mm -hmm. and they will start exploring things outside the box and that includes natural things herbals 
vitamins, minerals, infusion therapies. Right. They, a they couple start moving things, that direction. A couple things happen, right? When you, I think that providers really want to take responsibility for patient care, but they're yeah. really not allowed to. When you step out of that and you create your own thing or you join another private practice or whatever, where you really have responsibility for your patients again, there's an internal desire that's mm. like, this person is depending on me, not this big health system, yeah. depending on me to help them. And what tools can I find? That type of thought is not encouraged in corporate medicine. In fact, it's discouraged and it and and providers are quickly told, no, you can't do that. Yeah, we don't, don't do that. that. We yeah. don't do that here. Yeah. Don't ask those questions. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that while I know so many people are disgruntled with healthcare, look at a way, look at how this is hopefully reshaping and providers that are not going to do that anymore are, are creating new opportunities for patients. And it's coming because patients are demanding it. Yeah. So it's okay to be seeking something different. And fortunately, at least in our area, in our state, there are more and more opportunities all the time. Mm -hmm. Within the last couple of months and the couple of months moving forward, we know of several providers personally that either have launched or are launching private practices. And meanwhile, Wiggy can't hire and train people fast enough. Mm -hmm. So there is a, a demand. And so if you're feeling that demand and you're feeling like you're not being well cared for, I would encourage you to look and see who's out there that is working by themselves because yep. you might not think that you have all that support that a big system would offer you, but there are some great direct primary care providers now that ultimately can save money and you're not having to depend so much on insurance. There are even specialists that are saying, okay, well, I can figure out how to do this mm -hmm. without being a part of a system. Yeah. So. Oh, for sure. Anyway, I think it's it's unfortunate where we've come to, but it's exciting because the tide does seem to be changing. Obviously, there's there's much work to be done and probably decades of undoing the decades of buying things up. And yep. we have friends that are in dentistry that are trying to prevent the corporate takeover of dentistry, like what's happened in medicine, and are supporting young new providers helping them start their own practices. So it's really exciting. There's good things happening. Mm -hmm. So anyway, our IV therapy talk turned into a um, a, a, what, a discussion about the state of healthcare, it seems, but that's okay. Yeah, we usually go on tangents. We do. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Hope that you learned a little bit more about IV therapies and how they can be helpful as well as the direction of medicine. So thanks for joining us. We'll catch up with you next time.